Good morning. The scripture reading today can be found on page three of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. It is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Short reading means short sermon. Let the people say amen. amen. All right. That's a mercy thing because I see a lot of people standing in the back, standing room only, which means some of you all are getting your money's worth today, I guess, right? No, it is uh, a joy to be here and to pack out this house. I've got to say it's a joy in particular because we don't know how long we are going to be in this particular house. Please pray for us, Grace Meridian Hill, as we continue to seek God's will as to our facility's future. But it's a blessing to use this space to bless our whole network. I hope some of you all can see or at least hear uh, as we look at God's word tonight. By the way, my name is Duke. Uh, you met Yancey, then Glenn, then Russ, then Mike, and I'm the last of the pastors uh, in our Grace Network, and the pastor of Grace Meridian Hill here, uh, and one of the pastors in the Grace Network. But let's pause and let's pray together uh, before we look at God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, we are asking that you would be here, but we're not asking you to do anything you haven't already promised you would do, which is to fill your word to send your spirit, and to change our lives. And so we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts to uh, not only see the truth of your word, but also to submit to it, to give our hearts and our lives to it, to you. So come and have your way with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the greatest joys from the last month for me was attending my son's school play. It was The Lion King, The Lion King, and the kids did a fantastic job. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, now finishing up uh, preschool, pre-K-3, uh, he did some singing, he did some dancing, and he did some galloping. Galloping as a, we don't know, what animal? <laughs> what animal? Actually, he could not even tell me, he couldn't remember. He wore a very impressive costume, mask and all, props to all you teachers out there that put together things like this. But he couldn't remember the name of the animal that he and his classmates were pretending to be. And it's been a couple of weeks now, but I'm happy to report to you that just yesterday, suddenly, out of nowhere, Jeremiah turns around to me and he yells, Wildebeest! Daddy, I was a wildebeest in The Lion King. <laughs> Just came to him, inspired something. I don't know. You know, sometimes you can play the part and not know what part you're playing. Sometimes you can be a part of the action 
without a clear sense of your identity. And this is true for the church, too. We can dive into relationships. We can gallop across the city with all kinds of impressive ministries, can't we? But with only a fuzzy grasp of our true identity, sadly. So here's a question that's worth pondering just for a few short minutes today. What's your identity, church? Who are you? Well, you're a wildebeest. Let's pray. No. <laughs> I try to work that in some, I don't know how that would work, right? All right, what are you, church? What are we as a network, as a little piece, a little expression of the worldwide body of Christ here in this particular city, three congregations in one church? And the answer that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 from our passage this morning is this. Among many other things, the church is holy. The church is holy. We find that word holy twice in the passage. It's a word that's often misunderstood already. Maybe you're taking it to mean that the church is stiff and stuffy. Or that the church is unapproachable. Or you take it as a claim that the church thinks it's morally perfect. But in the Bible, the main meaning of the word holy is set apart. Set apart for a special purpose or use. Holy means radically different. Holy means separate, distinct, special. So in the Old Testament, when a, a lamb or a goat was chosen to be sacrificed unto God, when it was set apart from the rest of the flock for this special purpose, that lamb was called holy, different from the other lambs. Or, according to the Bible, when a husband or a wife exchange wedding vows, when they promise to be a loving and faithful spouse, forsaking all others, as the traditional vows go. Their marriage is called what? Holy. That relationship is set apart and different from all others. It's not that they don't have other relationships, but this one is distinct, special. Or when my daughter eats Lucky Charms, and I notice her, as maybe some of you also do, collecting all that sugar-high-inducing marshmallow and placing it in a pile beside her bowl because she loves them so much that she wants to save them, eat, them and all, eat all of them at the end all together. She loves them so much. Fingers dripping with pink milk, right? Well, we might say in that instance she's making those green clovers, blue diamonds, and purple horseshoes holy. Amen, they say. <laughs> Special, set apart, literally different from the rest. 
With that in mind, we can better understand the two senses in which our passage teaches us that the church is holy. First, you, church, are called to be holy. In your life, in your manner, in your love, you are called to be holy. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in verse 2 there, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. The church, you, we collectively are called to be holy, set apart from the watching world. We are called to be noticeably distinct in our manner and life and love, radically different from neighbor who might believe differently. We are called to be, you might say, sometimes a little bit weird. Renowned New Testament scholar Anthony Thistleton, he explains that Paul here in this letter is writing to a church that has begun to lose its holy identity. That's why he opens with these words. The Corinthian culture around the time of this letter was absolutely obsessed with social status and social recognition and influence and with rhetoric and spin above the truth. It sounds like another city I know. And there had been what Thistleton calls a seductive infiltration into the church of this cult cultural, Corinthian cultural set of attitudes which the church had begun to borrow from its city. The church had begun to look very much like the world. And so Paul, his goal here in the book of Corinthians is to proclaim a radically different value system based upon the grace of God, the cross, and the resurrection of Christ. In other words, because of the gospel, Paul is calling the people to restored holiness. He's calling them to be holy. It's the same reminder that the apostle Peter wrote about in his letter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you had lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And so if your friends call you, hey, one of the normal Christians, and you take it as a compliment, but they never ever think that you're strange, or never see anything in you that's different, you might be missing this call to be holy. Or if you're a church that is basically indistinguishable from other good religious or non-religious nonprofits in the city, and there are so many wonderful ones doing good work. But there's, if there's nothing that distinguishes you, either in what you do or how you do it, or the beliefs in the soil out of which the fruit of your labor grows, perhaps that church is missing this call 
to be holy. Because a church that is holy in the city will be a community that stands out as distinct. Not just because of its morality, but perhaps most of all because of our humility. Wouldn't it be great to be known in the city of Washington collectively for our radical, winsome humility? A church that's holy in the city is a community that would love differently, which also entails grounding ourselves in the word of God to define for us what love is in the first place. A church that is holy will, by God's grace, be a place that nurtures people who refuse to retaliate against their enemies. Whether your neighbor enemies or your political enemies or guys in the crew on the next block over enemies, people who labor to speak civilly and respectfully even with those with whom they disagree, even when snark and hot takes might score you points among those in your own tribe. It's a church that will use its money with radical generosity, nurturing people that are not only pouring resources in towards themselves self-indulgently to meet their own needs, but who even seek to disadvantage themselves for the advantage of their neighbor. Who knows a church like that? A church that occasionally makes politically conservative folks mad because you seem too progressive and occasionally makes progressive folks mad because you seem too conservative when Really, you're not trying to be anything except a church that's following Jesus who will take you all over the place in counterintuitive faithfulness because that's the way he always brings in his kingdom, which he says is out of this world. A church that is holy will have different head-turning kinds of relationships, people that will peer inside and say, I don't get it, get you, how you come together, because the truth is, you know, we live in a segregated city. Invisible barriers and partitions and walls that divide us, sometimes with overt hostility, sometimes with the hostility of unspoken apathy walking by and passing by, caring little for one another's destinies. But to be a place where people of all different stripes and backgrounds and stories and identities to be brought together, not because they have natural affinity with one another racially, economically, politically, or otherwise, but because they have a savior in common with one another, the one Lord Jesus, who when is, he is preeminent in our hearts and in our church, 
binds us together in unity as a family. The way in which a holy church will become, as the Bible calls us to become, an alternate community, even an alternate humanity. God remaking a broken people into his own likeness as we were always created to be. Healing wounds, restoring us to our true selves and our true collective calling as a human race. That we might be a community that is in the world, engaged with the world, yet distinguishable from the world. In the city and yet distinct from the city, indeed for the city. And so let me be clear, holiness does not mean withdrawing or separating ourselves from the city. The lines that we draw are not drawn in whom we will or will not befriend or where we will or will not live or go in the city, but rather the lines are drawn in our hearts where we set apart Jesus as Lord. As verse 2 puts it, calling on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be holy, first and foremost, is about having a distinct Jesus-centered identity. So here's the question. Who makes you, you? Who makes us, us? Will you dare to be different? Will we dare to be noticed because we're called to be holy, not comfortable, not simply polite and friendly, but winsomely, God-honoringly, radically, lovingly, humbly holy. Dear church, you are called to be holy. Secondly, Paul also tells us that you are holy. You're called to be holy, but in fact, you actually are holy. And what does that mean? Well, Paul says here again, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Sanctified, there's a word that simply means or could be translated to those who have been made holy. And what Paul is talking about, there is a way in which, again, remember the meaning of holiness. It means to be set apart. It means that for those who have embraced Jesus and collectively the church, when it is built upon the foundation of Jesus, it is in the mind and the heart of God set apart, distinct and different and, and, and special. In other words, that you are a people that belong to God in a radically personal and powerful in different way. 
As we see in Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, God declaring over his people, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Well, what does that mean? Well, out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. You are holy because you belong to God. You were once a stranger without a name, but now you've been brought into the fold. You are known and you bear the name of Jesus. You were once an enemy, in fact, but now you've been made a friend. More than a friend, you've been made family. A son or a daughter, a child of the king. You are wholly set apart in the heart of one whom we can now call Father. A term we find in verse 3, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This distinct and special affection, covenant, commitment, forgiveness, love that the Father has applied to us as his people. We are set apart Almost like, as we mentioned in the beginning, a husband and wife is set apart one for the other. Forsaking all others, it's a holy love. Do you know a God who offers to you a distinct and holy love? Not a general affection, not just a, a bland acknowledgement for those he perhaps created, but rather a deep affection and covenantal blood-bought commitment by a God who sent his son, who though was set apart as God's most eternally treasured possession was cast out, not set apart in love, but on the cross, set apart as an object of God's wrath. Bearing the punishment for all the sins of ours, not his. The judgment that we deserved. That by sheer grace alone, we might be set apart in love. Forgiven, set free, and brought together in holy community. And don't you know, this, the, the, the first distinct dimension of our holiness is driven by the second. In other words, how is it that you can continue to live as an alternate community, faithful to God's word, different, even at times taken as offensive to the watching world around us, yet faithful and humble? Where do you get the spiritual fuel and power to do that? It's by receiving the love of a God who has made you holy in his love. Who has set you apart and cared for you so. Who has poured out his grace upon you. You want to be holy. Do you know God's holy love? Do we want to be a holy church before the watching world? Do we know the holy love of the Father whose eyes always watches over us? 
This is our calling, friends, to drink deeply of this good news of this God and to heed his call. Do you know, Grace DC Network, we are called to be a holy church in the city and indeed holy for the city. Do you know your identity? Channeling your inner wildebeest, as it were. Discovering the answer to this question, who are you, dear people of God? Who are you, church? Do you know you are holy and you are called to be holy? Let's pray. And so we ask, God, that you would impress upon our hearts the deep and rich meaning of these words, that you might bear fruit for our good and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Let's all stand together. We are in for a shortened service, so we will sing two songs in response, and then we will finish up our service and move into our business meeting, but let's first respond to God in song.